learning about how to experience victory uh, in the spiritual battle that we're in through the invincible strength that God gives us through His armor, through these different aspects of the armor which are metaphors for truths and aspects of uh, the Christian life. So we're, we're learning about this, and the desire here is not just to learn and understand, but to actually experience these things, to, to experience victory ourselves as believers in this spiritual battle. That's God's intent. That's been my prayer. So let's pray and ask God to teach us how to experience victory in Him through His Word. So Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We pray Your blessing on it. Lord, would You give us understanding and faith And Lord, the ability to walk in these truths, to experience your victory in this spiritual battle with the strength that you give us. Help me to explain and teach and proclaim your word faithfully, but we want to hear from you. So bless the reading and proclamation of your word this morning, we ask in Christ's name, amen. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read uh, verses 10 through 14, Uh, not the entire section here, and then we're going to focus in on verse 14. It says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. God's Word from Ephesians chapter 6. And today we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness. In the epic story uh, of The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, there's a, a climatic scene in it where this mighty and terrible dragon smog Uh, is wreaking havoc on this town and and it's misplaced vengeance on this town. He blames them for something and he's attacking the town uh, of Lakeside and he threatens to destroy this town with his fire-breathing breath and and, and all that he's doing. Um, He's threatening to kill every living soul in in Lakeside. But there's one sharp-eyed archer, a guy named Bard, and he's learned the secret to defeating Smog, the, the evil dragon. Smog is covered in these scales that are like armor. They're like iron armor. He's uh, impenetrable, but, but he doesn't know that he actually has one chink of armor missing on, his, uh, on the left side of his chest. And Bard knows about this. He knows the secret. And his arrow finds its mark in the battle with Smog penetrates through the chink and takes smog down. He plunges from the sky into the lake, never to trouble lakeside again. We have been given armor by God. And today's piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. It's meant to protect us. It's meant to protect us from a mortal blow. Something that might take us out from the enemy as Christians. And this bit of Scripture instructs us about this and it ties in with the rest of Ephesians and the rest of Scripture really so that we would understand what the breastplate is that that we might wear it and that we might walk in it and that we might not have any chinks in our armor. 
So there's truth here that we need to know because if we don't wear this breastplate, or if our breastplate is lacking in integrity, if it has chinks, the enemy's arrows and blows are going to deliver a mortal blow to us. And so wearing the breastplate of armor, understanding it and wearing it is really important for us as believers to stand and to resist and to walk in the things of the Lord. So we're going to take time to look at this. Uh, We're going to learn how we are invulnerable in Christ's righteousness. We are invulnerable in Christ's righteousness. This breastplate of righteousness protects us, makes us invincible, invulnerable in Christ's righteousness. And there are two aspects I want to talk about. If you have the notes, you'll see there are two points here. First, we stand by living in the righteousness of Christ. And two, we stand by living out the righteousness of Christ. We stand by living in the righteousness of Christ. And we stand by living out the righteousness of Christ. So first, living in Christ's righteousness. This breastplate covers uh, vital organs in a, in a soldier. And really, the breastplate is a matter of life and death. It's, it's really foolish to go into a battle without a breastplate on because it would be pretty easy for someone to shoot you with an arrow or deliver a blow in ancient warfare. And so this is one of the really most important pieces of the armor. They're all important. It's probably hard to rank them in some ways. But this one is the one that protects our vital organs. It keeps us from experiencing a, a, a deathly blow. And uh, this piece of armor actually is mentioned elsewhere in Scripture, this idea of a breastplate of righteousness. In Isaiah 59, there's a description of the Messiah's armor, of of ultimately Christ's armor. Uh, and So let's just read that. We have that to show together. Uh, it's speaking here in Isaiah about the, the Messiah, about this one who would come as the ruler and the deliverer for God's people. And it says this in verse 16, He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then His own arm brought Him salvation and His righteousness upheld Him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on His head And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Then verse 20, And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. This section of Scripture in Isaiah is speaking about God. and Speaking about God looking for somebody who might come in and and bring justice and bring resolution and bring salvation. And there's no man who who does this. There's no one who does this for God. And so God Himself brings salvation. God Himself brings His righteousness to bear. And He puts on a right, on righteousness as a breastplate. It's His righteousness. And He comes with salvation. And He comes to rescue and redeem. And that's how it ends in verse 20, speaking about His redemption, His promise of rescuing His people in, in their difficulty. This is likely what Paul has in mind when he's composing Ephesians 6 and talking about this breastplate of righteousness. And this informs us in understanding the nature of this breastplate. That an important aspect of the breastplate of righteousness is the fact that it's God's own righteousness. God Himself puts on His own righteousness. And this breastplate that we're given is a breastplate of righteousness from God. He gives us this breastplate of righteousness as a gift. That's very consistent with what we see in Ephesians over and over again, particularly in the front section of Ephesians. We learn about the righteousness we have from God. That's a gift. 
it's made very clear that this is a gift. And, and so there's a few verses we can look at. I encourage you to read through those first three chapters. You'll see it very clearly. Chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. This salvation, this spiritual blessing that comes to us as a gift through faith includes being counted holy and blameless before Him. It's amazing that, that there's forgiveness, there's blessing. In verse 7 it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. So He, he wins us back from our sin. Wins us back from our unrighteousness. We're redeemed. We're bought back through His blood. We've sung about His blood today. Christ's blood, His righteousness, His life given us. For us, this is His righteousness offered through His blood. So it says, uh, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. We're forgiven. Forgiven of our sins, of our unrighteousness. And we're counted clean in Him. We're righteous. Verse, verses 5 and then 8 of chapter 2. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Grace is an unmerited gift. An unmerited favor. And so we are forgiven. Our sins are paid for. We're counted righteous. We're, we receive all these blessings in the heavenly places as pure gift received by faith in Him. By grace. God comes... Just like it says in Isaiah 59, there's no one who can do it. There's no man who stands up for justice. There's no man who can bring salvation. So God Himself comes and puts on His own righteousness and, and brings His own salvation and brings redemption to His people. He comes because we couldn't do it. We are left in ourselves, in our sin, in our inability, in our rebellion, could never, ever rescue ourselves never ever accomplish righteousness ourselves and so god comes in comes as a man he's born a baby jesus and lives his righteous life and gives himself god comes in his righteousness and grace and rescues us and provides for our righteousness through his righteousness the righteousness of god has jesus at the center in scripture the righteousness of god has Jesus at the center. The righteousness of God comes in the form of a person. Not an action merely or an idea merely, but a person, Jesus. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of Him, speaking of God the Father, it is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus. And then it describes Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness. Holiness. And redemption. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our rescue. Jesus Himself is that breastplate of righteousness in His life and all that He did and all that He is. He is the very righteousness of God. And the Gospel, the good news, is really about, about Jesus. It's about Jesus making, counting us righteous, providing for our righteousness, providing for our forgiveness. He is righteousness incarnate. Through who He is and in His life, 
He provides our righteousness. He, he goes to the cross for us as we celebrate it in communion. And that righteous life of faithfulness to God, that righteous life of fulfilling what we were called to do and never did, never could, He is the righteous one. He fulfills the promises of God. He comes and He offers that righteous life on the cross. He sheds His blood. He pours out His blood. The, the, the reason we sing about His blood, the reason we talk about His blood is His blood represents Him. It's His life. It's His righteousness. It, it's Himself poured out for us on the cross. That, that blood represents Christ given for us completely. He offers Himself up to the Father as a righteous offering that pleases God but also in that offering, it's an atonement for our sins. He pays for all of our sins. And only He could do that. Only He could work salvation. Only He could, could pay for all the countless sins of, of His people. All of our sins. Past sins, present and future for all of God's people. All of them paid for in total, completely, by Christ, the righteous one. He is our righteousness. He is the one who rescues us. His blood, His life, Jesus Christ Himself is our righteousness. So when we put on that breastplate of righteousness, we are putting on Christ. We're, we're remembering Christ. We're trusting in Christ and His complete righteousness and all that He's done for us. It's interesting, in Revelation 12, a, a parallel verse on spiritual warfare, a parallel chapter on spiritual warfare, it says this in chapter 12, verse 10. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Now that's speaking of the accuser, right? Of Satan. That's what his name means. The accuser being thrown down. The kingdom is coming. And then it says this, and they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. How do they conquer the accuser? The blood of the Lamb. The blood of Christ. His, his life. His life given for us silences the accuser. The final word in that court of accusation where the enemy accuses us, the final word is spoken by the blood of Christ for the believer. And it says, forgiven. It says, righteous. It says, acceptable to the Lord. His blood, when you put your faith in Christ, you are connected to Christ. You belong to Him. And His righteousness is credited to you. And so Romans 8.33 can say clearly and boldly, who shall bring any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. And that word justify means to be counted righteous. It is God who counts righteousness. There's no charge to bring. The accuser cannot bring a charge against us because the blood of the Lamb was shed for us. And we are connected to Christ through faith. And that itself is a gift as well. So the first and most important truth about this breastplate of righteousness is that it is comprised of the righteousness of Christ alone offered up on the cross to pay for our sins so we can be counted in Him. It is the righteousness of Christ. We didn't do it. 
We didn't please God. We didn't fulfill our righteousness. He did. And the amazing, even scandalous gift of grace says that when you simply turn away and trust Him, you are counted righteous. So you can silence the accuser of the brethren by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is shed for me. That is my one plea. He has shed His blood for me. And that's what I stand in. And that is how you put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's a, it's a free gift from Him. Credited to us through faith alone. And that faith needs only to be the faith the size of a mustard seed. Enough faith to say, I look to Jesus, not myself. It's not perfect faith. It's not faith that's perfect and full all the time. Just enough to cling to Christ. And not to ourselves and not to our sin, but to cling to Christ. You're not saved by the earnestness of your faith. That's a mistake we make. We're not saved by the earnestness of our faith. We're saved by Christ. And all it takes is a little tiny bit of faith to put your trust in Him and not yourself. Enough to say, I believe and I embrace Him. And when you have that faith, that's a sure sign that there is life in you. The Spirit of God has come in you and you're a new creation. And He belongs to you. And you can stand in assurance saying, I am His and He is mine. And you are counted righteous in that. In Christ. That breastplate of righteousness is about living in this free gift of righteousness in Christ. That is how we protect ourselves. By fully relying on His righteousness. So when Satan accuses you, don't spend your time trying to justify yourself. Don't spend time trying to explain what you did and how it wasn't that bad. Don't spend time Relying on how good of a Christian you are. God cares about that. I'm going to get into that in the second point. But don't go there. Don't live there. The way you combat his accusations is simply his blood was shed for me. That's your testimony. The word of your testimony is saying Christ is my all. Christ is my righteousness. His blood was shed for me. That's how we combat those accusations. When you come under condemnation, Maybe part of your condemnation is because you have given yourself to a serious sin. And, and I, I would encourage you in that. Repent of that. Turn away from that and turn to Christ. Turn to Him who is your righteousness. But, but don't look at the earnestness of your repentance or the earnestness of your faith. Turn around and look to Christ alone. Put all your hope in Him and His blood shed for you. Put your confidence there. Combat that condemnation with the fact that the blood of Christ has the final words. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? No one. For God Himself justifies through the blood of Christ. If you are a believer in Christ and have put your faith there, that's where you stand. That's that breastplate of righteousness. So how are you doing in this? How are you doing in this in your own life? When you come under condemnation, what are you doing? Where do you go? Where do you run? Are you trying other things? 
Are you running to your own righteousness? Are you running to the earnestness of your repentance or faith? As others have said, how's that working out for you? I don't imagine it's working too good. That's a slippery slope. Look to Christ alone. Run to Him. Put your trust in Him. Put your trust in this glorious, golden, and impenetrable breastplate of Christ's perfect and eternal righteousness. His righteousness is perfect. It's eternal. It pleases the Father. He was raised from the dead to say, I accept this sacrifice. I receive it. And now I exalt Him as the One who has earned the right to, to rule and reign. Put your faith in Him in that perfect righteousness. Put your faith in Him every day. When you get up in the morning, start your day remembering Christ shed His blood for me. He is my righteousness. I am forgiven. When you struggle during the day, remember He shed His blood for me. I find my righteousness in Him. Hold to Him. Hold to that promise. When you finish your day and you look back, whether it's been a great day or a day full of failures, don't live there. Live in Christ your righteousness. Remember, He has shed His blood for me. And I stand just as justified now at the end of the day through Him alone as I did at the beginning. And in Him, I'm given new life. I'm given forgiveness. But start your day there. Live your day there. Finish your day. It's just a great way to get up in the morning. I find I need to. I'm not a, for different reasons, not a morning person. Um, and so I have, to, I have to do spiritual warfare in the morning and remember His blood was shed for me. And that's where I stand as I start my day. And often at the end of the day as well. That's where I need to go. Put that breastplate on. Wear it throughout the day. Go to bed in your breastplate of righteousness. Make sure it's on when you get up in the morning. Christ alone is our righteousness. We live in the righteousness of Christ. Second point. We also live out Christ's righteousness. We live out the righteousness of Christ. There's a second sense as well. And these both, I believe, are intended in this breastplate. We live out the righteousness of Christ. It's really a lot of what the second half of Ephesians is about. So the first half of Ephesians teaches us about Christ and all that we have in Him and all these promises, all these blessings that are ours simply through faith, by grace. And then it says, now that you're a new creation in Him, now that you belong to Him, now live these ways. Live out this righteousness. So the use of the word righteous and right in the latter part of Ephesians is, is about living out the righteousness of Christ. So Ephesians 4, 21-24 uh, says, assuming that you've heard about Him, speaking of Jesus, and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Isn't that amazing? That we are new creations in Him, created after the very likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We are new creations. With the image of God, the law of God is written on our hearts. The Spirit of God Himself lives in us and longs for the ways of the Lord, longs to love Him and walk in His ways and love others. Yes, it's incomplete and not perfect, but it is there. We are new creations. Chapter 5 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good 
and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. These verses are talking about the righteousness of a changed life, a new life in Christ. It's a life that looks like the character of Christ compared to a life characterized by sinful desires and actions and, and the brokenness of fallen humanity. And so the second half of Ephesians gives a lot of specifics in this righteousness. It talks about it. And that's what we've been doing, right, in the second half of Ephesians, is talking about how this works itself out, how this new life works itself out, how the, the life of Christ in us empowers us and calls us and leads us to this new righteous life. So all sorts of specific things are addressed in terms of righteousness. Righteousness is the general category of, of being right in God and, and being right in our relationship to Him and others. So it talks about things like humility, gentleness, patience, love, unity, truthfulness, anger without sin, giving instead of stealing, blessing with words versus cursing, kindness and tenderheartedness and forgiveness instead of bitterness and anger and clamor or slander, Sexual purity instead of greed. Thanksgiving instead of perverse words and jokes. Being filled with the Spirit versus being filled with the spirits of alcohol. Ephesians, and really the whole Bible from beginning to end, has much about this sort of righteousness. The righteousness of a life that belongs to the Lord. And it's important to not neglect either type of righteousness. It's important to not neglect the righteousness of Christ, the perfect righteousness that is ours, that's a free gift, fully acceptable before the Lord. The day you trust in Christ, you are accounted perfect. He has is, he is made it so that you are credited as perfect in, in the sight of the Lord. So we mustn't neglect that. We mustn't neglect standing there and recognizing that's our ultimate and only plea. But we also must not neglect the call to live out our new life in true righteousness and holiness. They go together. And it is a perennial problem for Christians, individuals, and churches, and whole movements to swing to one or the other. You can actually go out and look at all the different Christian movements, and you could probably categorize, where is the pendulum tending to swing here? And often you get, you get movements that are formed from a reaction from swinging too far one way. And they react and they swing the other way. And you have movements out there that, you know, it's, let's only talk about grace. Let's only talk about what's ours as a free gift. Because we can't ever compare to the righteousness of Christ. We'll never be righteous. So why do we even spend time there? Let's just live here. And then there are others out there, it's like it, all you're going to hear about is about the righteous life. This is what you ought to be doing. This is what it looks like. And let's be holy. Holy, holy, holy. We're to be holy people. But there's no or little mention that our righteousness before God is a free gift from Christ. And so we must learn to, to do both. But how in the world can we keep from swinging the pendulum? Because it's not just Christian movements out there that swing the pendulum, right? My pendulum, I swing one way to the other. Even day to day, even moment by moment throughout my day. I'll be like, yeah, holiness, I want to be holy. And then I'll struggle, and, and, and then I'll be over here. No, it's only him alone. I'm so glad, and, and let's not worry about that. And I swing back and forth. How can we navigate in a way that we walk in both aspects of this breastplate of righteousness? 
What is the answer to that question? How can we do this? You're probably guessing it. Jesus. Always the best answer, right? Jesus resolves this. The answer is in Jesus. The answer is that we focus on Christ. We focus on Him. And the fact that through faith now we are joined with Christ. The, the, uh, the, the wonder, the mystery. We celebrate this in communion. We see it throughout Scripture. It's in Ephesians over and over again that we are in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. There's a wonderful mystery that when we come to Christ through faith, we are joined with Him. And we are one with Him. We are united with Christ in a profound way, individually and as His body. We are called the body of Christ, even Christ Himself as His people. There's this union with Christ. There's this joining with Him. And it's in that understanding, that union with Christ, that we can live in both these aspects. Because when we're joined with Him, we realize, I belong to Him, and in Him I'm counted righteous. That perfection of His life, His blood shed, His perfect life offered, His resurrection, that's mine. I, because I am in Him. And I'm credited with righteousness. And I am safe and secure in Him. That's my safety. That's where I stand. My I'm joined to Christ. But because I'm joined to Christ, I'm also a new creation. I belong to Him. And He's in me. He dwells in me and He dwells amongst us. And we are new creations. We are, we are in Him now. We're not in our old selves. That's not where we live. We live in Him. Our old person, actually, it's, it's, it's hard to comprehend. And we celebrate this in baptism. Our old person has been crucified with Christ and no longer lives. We don't live in the old person. Now we see in Scripture reason to understand that the sin still remains, there's still indwelling sin, but it's important for us not to see our basic identity as sinners. Our basic identity in Scripture is as saints. That's how we're called. That's how the, the people of God are predominantly addressed in the New Testament as saints. Now, if you're from a Orthodox Catholic background, and so forth. You think of the saints as those, you know, the, the great leaders of the church, the ones that are special, and so forth. But in Scripture, uh, the saints are all believers. Paul calls the Corinthian believers saints right in the beginning, and it's a messed up church, and there's people doing all sorts of crazy stuff in this church. He still calls them saints, and saint just basically means a set apart one, a holy one, a special one, set apart to God, and that's who we are. We are. We are united with Christ. We're new creations. We've died with Him. That's the wonder is, is we, in our union with Christ, we have died to the old man with Him on the cross and we've been raised in Him to new life. And the, the law of God is now written on our hearts and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And there's this new life. And it's fantastic. There's new motivation. There's new power. There's new identity. And because of all that, we live a new life. And we grow ever more like Christ. And we put off the old man in the old ways. And we learn to understand the ways of God. We know more about Him. We learn more. And as we learn more about Him and learn more about His grace and more about the goodness of His commands and His ways, we are more and more conformed to His image through the renewing of our minds. We make real progress as Christians become more and more like Him. 
And that's the second part of this breastplate of righteousness. It goes together. There's the righteousness that is ours as a free gift, and there's the righteousness of a new life. And we're to walk these things out in our lives. We're to, to walk in, in integrity. And so the integrity of that breastplate is connected to the righteousness of Christ and standing on that alone, but also for a life walked out in righteousness, ever-growing righteousness. Uh, the Bible commentator C.G. Findlay says the completeness of pardon for past offense and the integrity of character that belong to the justified life are woven together in an impenetrable mail. This new breastplate. It's important to understand this. It's important to put these two side by side. It's important to both put all our confidence in the righteousness of Christ, but understand that that righteousness in us, the Christ Himself is to have His way in our lives to make us holier and holier. We're to take holiness seriously. And too often, this is where the chinks in the armor come. Often it's just because we're not standing in Christ's righteousness alone. And so we suffer and struggle with condemnation. But also, probably just as frequently maybe, it can be there's something in our lives, some way where we're not walking out the righteousness of Christ and we're giving ourselves to sin. Now, as you think about this, it can be kind of disturbing, right? Because if you're like me, I start to think, well, well, what sort of sins are on that level? Like, you know, because I, if I think about my life, I, go, I don't go a day without struggling in some way. And, and don't get me wrong, if you don't know me, I'm not a total basket case, but but if you got inside my mind and my heart and were with me for a little while, you realize, well, you're, maybe you are a basket case. Uh, just as I go throughout my day, there's temptations, right? I mean, I can be tempted to despair. I can be jealous. I can be angry to the point of sinning in my mind, right? I can. You guys struggle with that sort of stuff? Oh, good. So I'm not alone. Um, so you can think, well, okay, so the breastplate of righteousness, you know, I love that one about, you know, perfect righteousness of Christ, we're in that one. And can we just understand it that way? Because that's a lot easier and a lot safer. And thank God how that helps us in condemnation. But you can start thinking, okay, so what level did, are, is there a chink in the armor? Well, I think this is in, in Scripture here. It's, it's not getting at, there are categories of sin in Scripture. And I think it's helpful to understand this. just want to briefly touch on this. All sin is serious. All sin is an offense to God. But Scripture handles things in different categories. There are are sins that are sins of just weakness, ignorance, immaturity, just common temptations that we wrestle with throughout the day, versus the sort of sins where you are giving yourself to something. Where you're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not interested in wrestling. I just want to go with this one. There's a difference there. And, and when, we, when we are struggling but living in the light, the blood of Christ covers our sins. So we, we struggle with sin perhaps, but we're walking in the light together. We're confessing our sins to others, sharing those, those things we struggle with, having people pray for us. And there's a, we stay in the light even in that place. I talked about that in 1 John. But then we can give ourselves to darkness. We can deny the sin and give ourselves. And when we do that, we're in a sense saying, you know what, I want to give myself to this. And in a sense, you're saying to the enemy, okay, you can take over here. And you're in some ways giving him permission when you give yourselves to a, a, a persistent, habitual, besetting sin. You're giving him permission to come in 
and, and have his way in your life. So those two categories are in Scripture. Let me just give you, a, you can look at this later, but a couple of verses, Numbers 15, 28 and 30, and there it speaks about atonement. It says uh, uh, for these different types of sin, uh, and the priest shall make atonement before the Lord for the person who makes a mistake when he sins unintentionally to make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. So it still needs to be forgiven. It's still serious, but it's, it's a different category. And then later it says, but the person who does anything with a high hand, sometimes these are called high-handed sins, whether he is a native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person should be cut off from among the people. Psalm 19, the psalmist says, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. That's the same things that are you're ignorant of or you're just uh, their weakness. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. So the psalmist in Psalm 19 is saying, you know, Declare me innocent of these things. I look to you to declare me innocent. I don't even know what those things are. I trust in you. Keep me from these presumptuous things that would rule over me. And then I'll walk in integrity. Uh, and then as I said in 1 John 1, it speaks of walking in the light. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if you're walking in darkness, giving yourselves to those sins, you're, you're lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And it talks later about confessing our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. So walking in the light doesn't mean you're sinless, but you're confessing your sins. You're, you're seeking to grow and change. Does that make sense? I only say that because maybe it's just for me, because I know where I would go. I would start thinking, oh no, my breastplate of righteousness, I have all these holes in it. And, and really I think we can only see that we would have holes in it when we give ourselves to these serious sins. Some of the things that are talked about in Ephesians when we give ourselves unrepentantly to bitterness, unresolved anger, slander, greed, addictions, sexual impurity, malice, unforgiveness, deceitfulness, perverse or harmful speech. When we give ourselves to those things, that's when we get a chink in the armor and then the enemy can take an arrow and go poop, just like with smog, through your armor and get a hold of your life. And you'll struggle and you'll suffer. And there are real realities out there, guys. I know uh, probably in a group this size, there are those who are struggling with, with sexual impurity. The stat is that 64% of self-identified Christian men and 15% of self-identified Christian women view pornography at least once a month. Other stats, there are 19,000 major scarring church conflicts in the year in the U.S. each year. That's an average of 50 per day, and 98% of those conflicts are related to just interpersonal issues, and I'd say a lot of times it's just things like bitterness, unforgiveness, where someone has given themselves to a sin and allowed it to persist and not got help for it. And that's the sort of stuff. You've got a chink in your armor and need help. Addictions, the same thing. Whatever those addictions might be, substance abuse. When you give yourself to those things, it, it goes to the level where you're walking in darkness and you got you may be a believer, but you got a chink in your armor. God wants to help you in that. I don't tell you those things to, to just merely scare you or make you feel guilty at all. Um, if you're scared or guilty, I, I, I only would want it to be that you would run to Christ. And you would run to the means of grace that He gives us. You'd run to Him for forgiveness and the righteousness that He provides. 
You'd run to the means of grace. It's so important to be connected with God's people. And we could just kind of stay at home and watch videos of people teaching the Bible on TV or on cable, right? Or the internet. We could just do that. Nothing wrong with that necessarily. It's learning, but, but we are m- way more than that. We're a body. We're a family, a, a local church, a local family of God's people. We're to be interconnected. We're to confess our sins one to another. We're to share our struggles. We're to build the sort of friendships where we can do that. That's what our community groups are about, among some other things as well. But they're about building those friendships at the core around Christ so we can walk together, so we can confess our sins, so we can battle with, with, against the enemy together, that, that we can help each other, that we can remind each other of Christ. We can help each other in our struggles, that we can come out of the darkness into the light and walk in the light together. Guys, I encourage you, if you're able to come to Saturday mornings, 7 a.m., we're going to continue to do it through the summer. Our men's breakfast is we get in the Word together, we look at God's Word, and then we talk about it. We talk about what our challenges, talk about life, and we pray for each other. And it's geared for this. It's geared to come alongside, to help one another, to help us grow as men and walk with the Lord. We have ladies' Bible studies as well. We have just lots of opportunities and ways for us to, to walk together that we might experience grace, that, that we might wear this breastplate of righteousness, trusting in Christ entirely, but also walking it out, walking out this righteousness and being protected from the schemes of the enemy. Together we can do that. The band could come up as, as we close. Together we can walk in this righteousness. Together we can walk in this new life. Together we can remind each other of what we have in Christ. Together we can learn to wear this breastplate of righteousness, both living in and living out the righteousness of Christ. We stand against the devil's schemes as we live in and live out the righteousness of Christ, as we wear the breastplate of righteousness. Before we close in song, uh, I'll pray, but I just want you to take a minute and just ask the Lord, Lord, where do I need to respond to this truth? Is there something in my life? Is there, is there some chink in my armor I've been just letting go that I need to address? Or, or maybe it's, you know, Lord, is the chink in my armor not so much a practice, but uh, the fact that I'm looking to my practice to bring me comfort instead of to You. And I'm trying to battle with condemnation in the wrong way, and I just need to remember the blood of Christ. So wherever you might be, just take a moment, uh, pray the Lord, and we'll close in song. Well, let me pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truths here. And Lord, teach us what it is to wear this breastplate of righteousness, to trust in You, Jesus, Your perfect righteousness, but also live out this union we have with You in true righteousness and holiness, we pray. Amen. Let's take a minute to pray and then we'll close.